and welcome to Searching the Sacred. This is Jason Stefanhagen, and you have done it. We are about to embark upon part 12 of our 12-part series on the book of Ruth, and that is exciting. You can give yourself a round of applause just for starting this episode, let alone finishing it. And as we've done all along, we want to invite you to become a patron of this podcast by going to patreon.com and search Searching the Sacred. For a dollar a month or more, you can become a patron, and what comes with that is a discussion guide for each of these 12 parts for this series. We want you to be able to continue the conversation, and we hope that you have been, and we hope that you've enjoyed this deep dive into the book of Ruth. If you're curious where we're going next from here, it will be back to random passage after random passage, but before we get to that, we're going to be doing a Lenten study looking at Jesus on the cross, focusing on what goes on in the book of Mark. So you can look forward to that coming out in a few weeks. So, the discussion guides, part 12, the book of Ruth. Let's dive in. Steph's going to take us into the blessing given to Naomi. I want to go back to what the women say to Naomi, because verse 15, the language they use, first, we need to ask what Lisa asked a, a few minutes ago about this blessing. Are they blessing? What was your question, Lisa? Is the Lord like, are they blessing Naomi? Or are they blessing the Lord? So this is actually often a question of blessing in scripture is, is who is giving the blessing? Who is that blessing pointed towards? What does it mean to bless and be blessed? So bless in Hebrew is barach or baruch, um, and it means to bless. It also means to kneel, um, it, it, knee or kneel. Um, if you've if you've heard people talk, uh, you'll often hear it, people speaking Hebrew blessings say baruch Adonai um, because that's bless bless be the Lord baruch ata Adonai. So baruch barach is bless. And it's this idea of kneeling. What happens when humans kneel? What are reasons we kneel? The last time I kneeled was in church. <laughs> okay, kneeling becomes a big part of the religious tradition. Uh, when you're helping someone, like kneel down, like when I was tying my kid's shoes this morning, I got down on his level to do it. Okay, back to parenting. One of the actions of kneeling is to get down on the level of somebody who else so that you can be face-to-face with them, that we kneel down. Um, this one is less common for us in the modern era, but if back to like TV shows, we've talked about Game of Thrones or whatever else, that you would kneel in other places and time periods. You, you would choose to kneel before someone who's in authority over you as a way of showing that sort of respect or fear sometimes of... Um, kneeling to show it's sort of the reverse of the kneeling you named Jason. Like there's a way one version of kneeling is I'm going to kneel down so that we're on the same level. Another version of kneeling is I'm going to kneel down to emphasize that we're on different levels. I'm going to kneel as a sign of submission versus, or I'm going to kneel as a sign of intimacy. Both are reasons to kneel. And so there's a way that we can play with blessing 
in both circumstances and say, how is blessing kneeling before God, who is an authority over us, where we want to emphasize that difference between God and humans as a way of receiving blessing or being blessed to say, if God is blessing us, how might, how might we be kneeling before God? I'm using my hands so much and it's a podcast. <laughs> how might we be kneeling before God to receive a blessing from God as a way to emphasize you are God, I am not with that power differential, please give me something or, or do something to affect the trajectory of my life. And, or how might blessing be God kneeling before us, like a parent helping kid tie a kid's shoe saying, let's get face to face and let's talk about flourishing. Yeah. I mean, I I think I like that second interpretation of this. I mean, I think religion and church has often emphasized, like Lisa said, like kneeling and like showing supplication or honor, you know, to God, like the authority and the the awe and wonder, if we're going to use positive terms as opposed to the, you know, fear, right, or the wrath or whatever, like, you know, that kind of imagery that we can have too. I really like that idea of God bending down and getting on our level. And if I read that into this story, like, blessed be the Lord, like, so God is getting on our level, who has not left you this day without next of kin, without a redeemer. And may may that redeemer's name be renowned in Israel. Like, it's almost like your story, Naomi, has been one where you have not felt seen. You have not felt like there is anyone on your level and that you are below saving. And yet the Lord is bending down and saying, like holding your face and saying, I got you. Like I'm, we're going to get through this and Mm. we're going to get through it in a big way. (laughs) Hmm. It feels, I mean, I wonder about for people who are witnessing or who are witnesses in your life, if sometimes the blessing is helping you see the way that God has done a thing. Like, I don't know that. I mean, I was trying to think if I've ever felt like, have I ever felt like God was blessing me from the sense of like weighted. (laughs) Um, Well, if we think about, if we're talking about the blessing and the kneeling and like with the sword and the, power and all the things i don't know if i feel like god has done that with me i don't know that i have a sense of like that that um i i don't feel like god has ever spoken a blessing per se over me personally i feel like other people in my life have been the ones to speak it over me or they witness it I don't know. It's an interest. It's kind of an interesting tension that I'm sensing in this because it's there's a because it when I'm looking at it like blesses the Lord. The Lord has done these things, and that is how you are then blessed. <laughs> like it kind of is like a, it's like a blessing is the overpouring out of God into your life. I'm not sure if that's right or not. 
every story gets really complicated when we start talking about blessing. Right. Well, and maybe we can, like, as this comes at the end of the book of Ruth, we can then have this whole narrative to help us ask, like, how has God blessed Naomi? Has it been some magic lightning bolt? Has it just, has it been things instantly better? Does blessing look like her whole life has been up and to the right? No, actually blessing her life's been really hard. She wanted to be renamed Mara. She had a, this difficult journey and yet somehow these women are bearing witness to the fact that she was not abandoned, which we talked about in the beginning in chapter one, how they were bearing witness to her pain. Now they're bearing witness to her blessing. Um, and what is it to have people who've seen both be the ones then speaking at this moment? Because these aren't people who haven't seen the journey. These are people who were there at the beginning and are who are here now. who are then saying a specific thing about what that blessing looks like in her life, which is um, that uh, that the Lord has been, and the language of this is really, um, I love this. This is verse 15, that the Lord has been a restorer of her life is what my translation says, but we could also say has returned her soul to her. The words are shuv and nefesh, which is the same phrase that is in Psalm 23. Um, that when, when in Psalm 23, um, Verse the shepherd restores your soul. Three, right, the soul of me, he is restoring. It's basically the same words, just in a little different verb tense. That the soul of Naomi, he has restored or returned to her. Um, and so these women are using that language of Psalm 23, which we already talked about Ruth's name being shepherd and that connection to Psalm 23. And what, how is this blessing of the Lord really the blessing that the Lord has given her Ruth? which then they even name that he has given you the blessing that they see that they name is that he has given you Ruth, which is better than seven sons would have been. Like, what is it for these townswomen to, to name Ruth as being a better gift than seven sons would have been? They know something that minions didn't know. Which is what? What are they? Those stupid little yellow guys with one eyeball. <laughs> Different spelling of minion, but I don't know. I'm curious about the overlap, actually. I have not done historical research on the word minion and the word minion and whether they're together. <laughs> yeah. But to say your daughter-in-law who has loved you has been more tove to you than seven sons. I just threw out a Hebrew word that I think we've talked about. Tov is that word in Genesis 1 of good. That when we see the word better, the word better doesn't exist in Hebrew. It's more tov, which is really the way it is. That's in English too. Like better is the superlative. It's good, better, best. But really those are all versions of good. It's in Hebrew, that'd be like um, tov, more tov, most tov. You'd be, the word tov is here. So she is more tov to you than seven sons. God has returned your soul to you because Ruth. Yeah, I, I, I find it interesting that even in this moment, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, we have not had the voice of the Lord at all in this entire book. We've only had people speculating what the Lord would do you know, and so we don't know 
we don't know what God thinks about any of this. Um, but I think it's pretty beautiful that at the very end, the community is gathering around Naomi and, and pointing out where they're seeing God and the posture of God in this moment. And I think that to me is maybe more representative of, you know, Lisa, you said you've struggled or not ever felt like you've experienced the blessing of God. And then I would, I don't know how I would, I, I can't remember a time where I'm like, yeah, there was a divine light and I knew, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have, but I, you know, I'm thinking of like a few really close friends who have, who have said like, man, that hard moment, what you've been through, like, that was it. Like that, that was like, you were held in that moment. You were, and it wasn't like God telling me that, but it was like the community that I trust and that I lean on that has given me name and, you know, like saying like, there it is. Like, that's the good, like, that's the moment. That's the, that's the stuff, you know? And, and it's usually not on the heels of like the best moments in life, but it's usually on the heels of the hardest moment where you, you made it like, you, you know, whether you made it because something good came of it or because you held on by the very last fingernail and you're just barely on the other side of it. And they named you're on the other side of it. And like that, that's enough. And, um, yeah, I guess that, that to me is like a, is, is where like I've experienced, I don't know, maybe. The Which takes a certain Lord. boldness. I mean, right. for these women to look at Naomi and say, we see that the Lord has returned your soul to you. That's kind of bold. We also don't get Naomi's reaction to that. She might've been a little bit like, <laughs> like real cool. Like, yes, this is all kind of working out, but I've also still experienced an awful lot of pain. Well, that's so, where I see that the fact that it's the women here and it was the women in the beginning makes me trust it a little bit more because yes. I am much more likely to hear a blessing from somebody who's been there with me for the journey. Yes. If somebody, or someone that I know has also experienced something similar. Mm -hmm. Not that these women have, but like, those are like the two scenarios. Like if you've been with me in, in, in it, or if you if you know something of what it feels like, I'm I'm uh, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> What's well, also interesting, like as we think about like stories in the Bible, there are people who have like audibles from God, or even kind of visuals, burning bushes and whatnot. And I think i don't i like i sometimes feel like i get an internal nudge that sounds like there's a voice telling me something <laughs> but for the most part i just i feel like this is like this is actually part of the reasons why we need community like why we need other people to <laughs> to be surrounding each other is because i feel like it is like it's actually our job to do the blessing to see the blessing yes. to name the blessing to to do um, that like, maybe in some ways that's the God kneeling down to us is actually like pulling in that community to like do the thing. Um, it really sucks when that community goes south. Mm -hmm. 
and it sucks when what felt like a blessing at one time turns out like now it doesn't feel that way. Yeah. Doesn't mean that it wasn't at the time, but now it's got a more complicated story. Like I would love for it to be, <laughs> maybe I don't, maybe it's actually true. Like maybe this is like Naomi's last, like she's had a really hard life. It's been really a long time to like sit here. It's not the end of her story, but it's probably getting closer. Like, I like, when do you want a blessing? <laughs> do you want one in the middle or the beginning or the end? Like, when do you want the. Well, you know, in the trajectory of scripture, we see the blessing usually coming in the middle. Like, like I'm thinking about the story of Jacob Israel. He's already been named here by the townspeople that like he, his name changes from Jacob to Israel when he's wrestling with that man, angel, God figure on the side of the river. And Jacob says to him, I will not let you go until you bless me. <laughs> and the blessing that he receives is this name uh, of Israel, one who wrestles with God and with humans and is able. And then he walks with a limp the rest of his life after that encounter. And that sort of, um, to me, is this picture of when we receive a blessing, we walk differently. And that means it's meant for the middle, not for the end. Because if we really receive a blessing, that affects how we keep walking out the story. Um, and so it can't just be something that's at the end or it's not going to be that. So that for Jacob happens as he's crossing the river back over into this promise that's his to inhabit of this family and land and like he's got his kids yes but now it's time for him to walk into this greater responsibility of it this greater future of it um that that's the moment when he receives his blessing and there's plenty of messy stories still to come because that blessing is then before uh his kids are such a mess that they sell their brother into slavery like that's that's coming after jacob's blessing mm -hmm. that he's got to be a father to all of that but yet this is the blessing that he needed to do all of that. So like, how might this be sort of the end of one chapter of Naomi's story, but the beginning of another and the blessing comes in that transition moment. You know, I, I think it kind of reminds me that like, if this is the kind of the hinge moment in Naomi's life, I mean, it's not just a, a moment. It's like years, like we got a decade in Moab, we've got, you know, this time in Israel now and, and here's, and then obviously like this child being born, this comes obviously months and months after, you know, the Boaz Ruth relationship coming to become, you know, preparing. Um, I, I think it, it, it highlights for me that there are moments in life that we have to mark and we have to like see as like, Oh, that wasn't just another day. Like, oh, that wasn't just another year. That was a season. That was like that that changed my life, right? Like that thing. And um, I'll never be the same after that. And so, you know, what comes after that might not be as spectacular as going through that might not be worth writing a book about or writing down, but that was the thing that did it. Um, 
and so I, I love that we're getting that um, here. How, how might how might blessings be markers of those before and after moments to help us remember? Is that makes me really interested to study blessings in scripture and how often they are kind of those moments to remember. You know, it reminds me of the stories in the gospels when Jesus heals somebody in like a random place. And then they say like, can I follow you? And he's like, no, <laughs> nope. Sorry. You don't get to be one of my disciples. Like, and, and, and one of the, inter- one of the interpretations that I appreciated was basically like, you got enough, like you have enough, like your story will never be the same. Like, and now the good work you get to go do is tell that story. Like you get to go tell that story and you, you will forever be changed by that. And sometimes I, you know, I'm always looking for the next story, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing as to go like, man, like, okay, let's just get to work now. You know, like, let's get to the good, the good work that, that God has for us because the transformations is, is happening. And I don't, you know, not that we can't ever, we don't ever stop learning, but, but man, if I, if I think learning is the end all be all and that there's no good, there's no work to do, like, then I've missed it, you know, and I've, I've missed the, the impact of the gospel or the impact of the, this transformative story that I've missed the impact of the blessing. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think this, this moment kind of is reminiscent of that. Like, we don't know what happens with Naomi's story. Obviously she's nursing and raising, helping raise this, this child that will go on to be the grandfather, you know, or great grandfather of the King, um, which is really cool. Um, maybe she just did some simple, you know, nursery rhymes and kept the kids bruises from, you know, becoming broken bones. I Like maybe it was pretty boring work, but it was, it was, it was good work. You know, I think as we as we are ending this conversation uh, in the Book of Ruth on blessing, it, it feels it feels similar to the Book of Ruth, where there's this goodness, there's this transition moment, but it's not necessarily easy or clean. Or even going back to what you said, Jason, about how um, we don't hear God speaking here; we hear people interpreting what God is doing. Um, which is a part of what's been happening all through the book of Ruth is there was this question at the end of the book of Judges is what it looks like for people to be doing what is right in their own eyes. And this is taking place in the book in that time period. And what is going, what is everybody seeing as right in their eyes? And how is that a different conversation than if we hear this directive from God saying, do this, don't do that. Um, and so we've met a lot of characters and storylines along the way from the deaths of Mahon and, and Kilion in, in chapter one, um, the separation of Orpah from uh, Ruth and Naomi also in chapter one, of Naomi gleaning, gleaning the fields in chapter two and meeting Boaz, of the whole threshing floor conversation in chapter three and calling Boaz out to be this uh, uh, Goel redeemer. And now in chapter four, as we talked about um, the uh, being at the gate and having this Mr. So-and-so who um, wasn't going to, didn't want to redeem and Boaz stepping in and now how the town is responding to that, how the women are responding to that. And this, this ending of the book where there is an Obed, there is a child that is uh, perpetuating uh, Naomi's legacy, but also 
we see that it perpetuates um, Boaz's legacy because Boaz gets named in that that lineage of David in verse 21 of chapter four, which in theory wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> and uh, which so there's there's a bunch of layers to all of this, but we often um, end scripture circles with having everybody name a takeaway. And so this is a good time if you've been listening along for yourself to say, what would I want to remember about the book of Ruth? What chapters stood out to me? What concepts stood out to me? Not just from today's episode, but from any of the episodes along the way. And so we're going to do that now. We're going to say, what is each of our takeaways from uh, the book of Ruth and all of those places that we've been? There's just a ton left in this book. So I don't want this to feel like this is my... This is not meant to be a summary. This is just my takeaway of like, what am I wrestling with right now? And this will probably not be what I wrestle with if I were to have a study in a year. Um, But right now what I'm noticing is um, I'm noticing how quick, like the end of, which we didn't read. (laughs) We didn't, we didn't read the genealogy at the end, but the genealogy um we're kind of we're back to the like the patriarchy and we kind of started the story steeped in some patriarchy but the gold of the story takes place in spite of the patriarchy and i think that's what is true all over the place if I can find it. Gosh, that's beautiful. I think for me, I was going to hone in on one of those moments as my, I don't know if it's like a takeaway or if it's like a part of this story that is kind of just right now. Like, I like the way you said that, Lisa, if I study this at another time, maybe it'll be different, but what right what's well, right now one of the most memorable pieces of our conversation is that we really don't know what was actually happening in the land when Elimelech left and had his family move but the moment that Naomi is in charge she hears that there's bread she gives the daughters-in-law agency to decide for themselves whether they stay or they go and then despite all the loss, all the pain, she's going to go back. And I love the line, I, I think it was maybe episode three, where Lisa said, it's hard here, it's hard there, I'm going there. And she was a woman of action and was willing to move. And I just found that to be so powerful that she saw differently from her husband. She gave people agency instead of instead of forcing authority over them, and then she was willing to move. And I think those three things. And I'll leave it to a pastor to come up with three things, <laughs> but I feel like those three things would, um, if we were to if we were to enact those, we would uh, we'd be in a much different place mm-hmm. as a people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think for me, 
Every time I study the book of Ruth, my respect and admiration for Ruth only grows. Um, Because I've always seen, like, especially, you know, I think chapter one is the most familiar chapter for many of us. And like her words of commitment to Naomi are beautiful. But to just keep digging in to say, like, she's the one who took action to glean. She's the one who took action to go to that threshing floor. She's the one. And then like what was new, this study of Ruth is that she was the one expanding the law to include herself. Um, It's just like, boom, like here is this person who then, and then she is the one in the book named Eshet Chayil, woman of valor. And she is the one as named as having the most chesed and that she is the one who's the outsider. and. Um, and she's even, I mean, I see that chesed and valor, even in the fact that like at the end of the story here, she seems to be willing to disappear for the sake of Naomi. But in that willingness, she actually doesn't disappear because the book is named after her. Like more people probably know Ruth's name than Naomi's name because you can't, it's almost like you can't help it. Like she's so... I don't know. I just respect her so much. I respect her strength and I respect her determination. I respect her love and commitment. And um, to me, it makes me wonder about who are those people that would be outsiders to me, where if I got in proximity to them, I would see those same things. And that um, I want I want to see that in this world. I want to see people who are doing what Ruth is doing. And I want to be in proximity to call it out and to tell their story. Well, that wraps up the book of Ruth. As Lisa mentioned, there's so much more to explore and we hope that you do. But we also hope that you've enjoyed the nearly 12 hours of conversation that the three of us have been able to have and we look forward to hearing from you about what interesting passages you want us to explore in the near future and as we ponder what to do next and plan ahead for future seasons there is a special bonus episode coming as i mentioned earlier uh, during the lenten season where we're going to be looking at jesus on the cross and what he says in the book of Mark. So look forward to that during Holy Week. Thanks again for joining us in Searching the Sacred. We're so grateful that you are on this journey with us and we look forward to much more in the near future. Thanks.